Well, for Dennis Cometti, a 51-year broadcasting career has come to an end. It's ended with him in the Sport Australia Hall of Fame, the Australian Football Hall of Fame and Order of Australia, and also as recently as Monday night inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame. But as of last Saturday with the grand final between Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, it is all done. He's hanging up the headphones and he's been good enough to join us on Summer Grandstand to take some time to reminisce. Welcome, Den. G'day, Ben. That sounds very final, the way you put it. I'm not sure that's the case. Who knows? Who knows? I'll start calling you John Farnham if you keep coming back, Dennis. You've had two farewell tours already. Come on, Ben. I've heard that before. Everyone, <laughs> everyone is mentioning John Farnham. I'm trying to think back. What did he do? And of course, he kept coming back, didn't mm, he? He did. Oh, that's right. So, so you're saying that? Okay, fair. If that's the way you want to play it, then that's the way we're going to play it. You might have heard that before. I did hear from uh, a commentator previously. Where did your best lines come from? And he said plagiarism mainly. So, uh, I'm heading down that tact. But why now, Dennis? Why have you decided to to hang them up now on a serious note? Well, Ben, I wasn't getting any better. I knew that. And as a result, radio is probably harder than television, to be honest. I I think you're cut out for one or the other. And I think uh, I was more cut out for uh, television because there was more freedom to say things, as you mentioned, some of them not so funny, but still now and again, I tried. And uh, as a result, I think uh, radio is so full on that I'm not sure you get many opportunities to uh, be anything other than... uh, well, the eyes of someone who can't see it, and that needs to be sort of all of the action. So they're two different skills, I think, in many respects. Identification is the only thing they really have in common, and uh, not as important, or the speed of it is not as important on television. You've got time to sort of meander around other things before you even get to the name because the people can see them, and probably a lot of the people watching know them as well as the commentators. Dennis, when I, I think of your career, there's two things that spring to mind. The voice, mm-hmm. the very distinctive, deep voice, and the humour and the wit. Where did each of those come from, do you think? Uh, well, I was a smarty when I was a disc jockey back in the day. I sort of, uh, my first job actually was in the post office. My second job was in radio with a uh, rock station here in Perth, 6KY. Mm-hmm. I loved music. I had these two things running in tandem. One was sport and one was radio. And I didn't think that sport would offer me an occupation. I thought radio might. But uh, I found out very quickly that that was a pretty heartless business, particularly in the 60s. That was the time of uh, really a revolution to radio. That was uh, top 40 music, Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all of that. I really loved it, still love my music. I've got uh, stuff that I play in the car all the time of that vintage and beyond up to uh, the present day. But uh, I think that... That was something that I uh, decided I wanted to do initially was radio, perhaps make my career there. But I had a stroke of luck at one stage when I was uh, a disc jockey at 6KY here in Perth. And I got a call from uh, a fellow called Ian Major. There was a, uh, a carnival being played, a state carnival in Western Australia. I think this was about 71 or 72. I, I get blurry with the facts a little bit. <laughs> so uh, if, you feel, if you feel like correcting me and you know, uh, please jump in. <laughs> But I think it was about then. And uh, anyway, what had happened, he used to do the football on 3KZ in Melbourne with a fellow called uh, Captain Blood, one of the greats, Jack Dyer. Mm. Now, Jack, for some reason, was either unwell or gone back to Melbourne. And he said, is there anybody there who can help me with the football? You cover football, don't you? I said, no, we don't. We're just a rock station. That's all <laughs> we do. And he said, well, I need somebody to help me. He thought there was an affiliation between, I think, 
the station he was broadcasting on and ours in Perth, and there wasn't. But uh, anyway, I made light of that and said, look, I might be able to help you. And I went down and I broadcast with him. And I had a, I'd never called a game before, so I was really starting at the top, and since then it's been all downhill. But what, what was happening was that I knew the players from Melbourne better than than say he could hope to know the players from Western Australia because we got tapes of their games and of course games in Western Australia weren't shown in Victoria so I knew most of the Victorians as well I just loved my footy in those days as well as the top 40 music but I was making a living uh, on radio and uh, so it came quite easily and the more it went the more he gave me sort of time on air and I, I really loved it and I went outside I remember after proudest punch and thought a lot of people will congratulate me over this <laughs> And, of course, uh, I was in Western Australia and forgot it was only going to Victoria. When I say only going to Victoria, mm. the bastion of football. But it was just a strange experience. And the Victorians won easily. And, Dennis, the Lions. I mean, we hear so often about he went in uh, optimistically, came out misty optically. We hear them repeated so often. Yes. How rehearsed were those lines? And how long would you wait to deliver it in the right moment? Uh, well, some some were rehearsed. I mean, some you write down. You know that uh, football matches are, are sort of uh, things that can be, I suppose, uh, taken for granted in as much as certain things will happen within a game. Now, I'm not, I'm not wanting to make it like a science. It's far from that. But I, as a radio announcer, I thought, you know, humour was expected a little bit, or at least being a smart... I can't... <laughs> smart, you know, just being a smarty. So as a result... Uh, I uh, always sort of liked that. I, I I had a guy at the ABC, actually, my first really big boss, a fellow called Jim Fitzmorris, who went on to great things around the world. But uh, Jim was the boss of the ABC. In fact, I filled the vacancy. Jim went up, and uh, I sort of got the vacancy at the other end, not starting where Jim was. He was head of sport. But So as a result, he had a wicked sense of humour. That's what I loved him for. I'd come home from school. He'd be doing the cricket with Peter Loder. And uh, he always had a funny remark. And I thought, well, here am I, probably a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, and I'm chuckling away. Maybe that, that was uh, where the humour went to 12- and 13-year-olds. I don't know, but I liked it. So uh, I just stayed with it. And, of course, it was part of the... Uh, vernacular as far as disc jockeys were concerned too so uh, as you go along you read things you think things and uh, just put them on paper it's not sort of contrived it takes a long time for some of them to pop up but now and again you do get a moment what's the line people repeat to you most is there one centimeter that people... perfect oh, centimeter course. perfect which is ridiculous i mean that's not not even funny <laughs> i just went from imperial to metric i mean that's ridiculous used to be inch perfect when i was a boy and how uh, often so, do you uh, get it uh, quite often, uh, quite often to the point I'm sick of it. But uh, now people mean well. I think that's uh, a greeting that sometimes uh, says their friend and not foe. Mm. I guess I've only had one one bad experience with a St Kilda fan. That's all I had in my career. Uh, so uh, I've been very lucky. What was the experience? Well, it was after a game at uh, Moorabbin, the old Moorabbin, and I was waiting for a car to pick me up. And uh, he had his son, who was about ten, I reckon, ten or eleven. And uh, the kid was wearing, the young boy was wearing a uh, St Kilda jumper. And most of the crowd had gone. I don't know where they'd been because I was just still just behind the grandstand waiting for a cab, as I say. And uh, this guy went past and he started to circle me and berate me with, uh, you know, a lot of profanity. And uh, I thought in front of the boy, it was, uh, well, bad behaviour by him. And I didn't quite know what to do. And I didn't do very much. But... Uh, the circling, I think, tired him out, and uh, so they walked off into the night. But uh, 
it was never dangerous. The guy, I reckon I could have taken the guy and I reckon <laughs> the kid might have helped me. So uh, as a result, it was never threatening, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I was glad to see the back of him. I was getting a bit tired and we only had about three words. <laughs> Uh, I didn't mind the kid might have helped me, Dennis. You should have taken my approach. I've won all of my fights by 300 metres. Uh, the journey from that first call, which was somewhat fortuitous in the way you tell it, to the ABC, to Channel 7, to Channel 9, and, and back to Channel 7, how do you, I guess, articulate it now upon reflection? Uh, well, it was it was interesting. Going to Melbourne was all for radio. I sort of uh, you know got a chance at a good job over there after I got sacked here. It was that sort of business I said before. It didn't last long. Any shift at a station didn't last particularly long. But uh, there were others coming free at the same time because it was across the board that radio changes were made uh, with the personnel. So uh, I got a good job in Melbourne with 3DB, which was the Herald Sun station, which was a big deal. And they were trying to go young at nights. And as a result, uh, I was able to go across there and work 7 to 10. But at the same time, I got involved in a clearance wrangle with the Bulldogs. Somehow, West Perth decided that they were going to alert the Bulldogs to the fact that uh, I was coming over. And uh, I hadn't played the previous year. In fact, I'm not sure I played the previous two because uh, I think I retired back in 1968 when I was 19. I had a good year that year, but uh, nothing much after. Anyway, the Bulldogs uh, took the bait. Loving the time at the Bulldogs, terrific people, uh, wonderful club. So I was barracking for them in the recent grand final. But as a boy, I was a Melbourne fan. Anyway, when I got there, I was going to work. I was doing 7 to 10. So uh, I passed Ted Whitten coming out onto the ground to take training as I was leaving. And one thing that astounded me about the Bulldogs of that time, in that group, there were three Brownlow medalists. There was Gary Dempsey, uh, Bernie Quinlan, and Barry Round. Now, they had a terrific team. They went 11 and 11 that year, and I could never understand it because uh, I, I think there was a little bit of an inferiority complex there, not with those players, but uh, players and people around the edges that felt they couldn't mix it with the Collingwoods. And eventually, it's come to pass that they can, but it's taken quite a while. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned your playing career. I mean, so often they're, they're separated into silos. You're, you're playing and you're coaching and you're, you're broadcasting, but really they are intertwined. And one of the things that I find particularly fascinating, Dennis, is that you had three league coaches, the great Graham mm -hmm. Farmer, Ted Whitten and Bob Spargo. It's quite incredible yep. now, isn't it, upon reflection that those were the three. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Polly was very good to me because my father died about two weeks before the 1969 season. And I'd had a really good season the year before. So uh, what was I then? I think I was 19, just turned 19 when the season started. So, uh, and we were a good side. You know, we were a very good side. I think we lost three qualifying games in a row. And uh, I'm not saying the two things are linked, but I got, I got hurt. Late in the second term of the second semi-final, Barry Cable was playing for uh, Perth. They had a terrific side too. And, and I got hurt and uh, didn't play on the prelim and we went out in straight sets. Now, the two things aren't necessarily connected, but my wife thinks they are and I let her think that. Polly, because I gave the footy away, was around at my house a lot trying and, and sort of uh, he realised that I'd lost my dad and the dad was very close to me. I'm an only child. And we went through that football experience together. He loved it and I loved it. And uh, Polly understood, I think. And he didn't push me, but he came to see if I wanted to play at any stage. And uh, 
you know, I, I really was beholden to him. My first coach the year before had been Bob Spargo, his last season. He came from Gray and he was a terrific player. I like Bob a lot. I still keep in touch with Bob. Uh, he's uh, on the Gold Coast as I speak. And uh, he was terrific to me as well. Uh, Ted, well, I didn't get to know Ted so much because uh, I liked Ted. He was, he was a good bloke. And I like it. I, I think that came through. Everyone liked Ted. But at the same time, I, I didn't spend enough time there. I, as I say, I played a handful of reserves games and then got the sack at 3DB and came back to Perth and uh, played the next weekend in the league side. But I think that was a mistake too. So uh, I look back, it's a rich tapestry and I don't know where mm. we're going with this, Ben, but it's nice to reminisce. Azim starting a new over. Bowls to Chapel, who's on 99. He drives and gets it through extra cover. It's going out to the boundary. Chapel Century, his 103, and Chapel a distinction now of scoring a century in his first and last test appearance. He acknowledges his back to the crowd, and he continues to rewrite the record books. Greg Chapel, slashing drive for extra cover. Majesty takes him to the record. Lilly bowls to Richards, and Richards looking to drive, bowl! Richards is out. Four for ten, the West Indies. Richards bowled by Lilly for two. Lilly has three for three. He's just one short of the record. And surely, if today is any indication, this last 30 minutes, the record must fall tomorrow. Four for ten in reply to 198. And the master batsman is out the last ball of the day's play. It's quite incredible upon reflection. The likes of Chapel, the likes of Lily, Viv Richards, the master blaster, as you described it there, Dan. How do you reflect on that period and how did you transition from cricket to football in terms of commentary? Well, the ABC saw me as a cricket commentator and uh, they let me coach on the strength of that. I mean, uh, I was working full-time at the ABC, but they saw me as a cricket commentator and uh, allowed me to coach for three seasons at West Perth. Now, sometimes when I think about it, I wish they hadn't, but still. Uh, now, I love cricket, and uh, I was quite happy to be the cricket commentator, but I wanted, if I went to England and I was going to go with Alan McGilvray, I wanted to call some matches. I just didn't want to go over there. It'd be very lonely because Alan was a different age group from mine, and uh, he had all these friends over there. They were the people I was supposed to meet, but I didn't want to socialise with them as well. So... <laughs> I thought London would be a lonely place. And uh, I made the decision, which I think shocked the ABC, that I'd rather commentate the waffle. And uh, that's, that was my choice at that stage. I, I love the waffle, still love the waffle. And uh, so I just told them. And from then on, really, I was uh, headed out the door. Not that they were bad about it, but, uh, you know, I'd done the wrong thing, I think. I let them, well, I didn't let them think. I, I was unaware, really, until they put it to me, would you like to go to England with Alan? And I didn't say yes immediately. And as a result, they thought that that was a problem. But I, I love my time at the ABC. They were the only people, I think, throughout the whole journey who taught me anything. And you're very lucky to be there, Ben, because uh, they have rules. They don't say it's the right way to do it. They just say, this is the way we want you to do it. And I, I'm a big fan of the ABC. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. It uh, it still is, uh, is ticking along here on Summer Grandstand. Um, there's two stories from you, Dennis, that I, I love to hear and I'll never tire of hearing them. One of which involves the, the 1989 grand final and the potential role that you played 
in what we saw at the very beginning of that now infamous, famous grand final, the, the infamous start, I guess. Well, I, I feel uneasy telling this story <laughs> because uh, I don't know that it's entirely true, but uh, Malcolm Blight and I were good friends when we were broadcasters together, and I remember we were sitting on a plane and uh, we were talking about, uh, now who was it? It was uh, Dermot Brereton. <laughs> Dermot was a good friend too, terrific bloke, both of them are. And uh, anyway, Dermot was coming off the line and uh, flattening people in the uh, centre square at ball ups and what have you. And uh, I'd had a similar problem at West Perth and there was a player in the league who later went on to play in the uh, AFL or the VFL as it was then. That was Brad Shine, terrific player, hard worker, tough, very tough. And he was doing something of the same thing here in Western Australia. So we had a guy who was very quick over the ground and he's probably about six foot two in the old and uh, strong and he didn't mind running into people. And uh, we saw that when we watched video, Brad was staying off the pack and as a result being able to at boundary throw-ins and ball-ups gather a lot of steam running towards the pack and taking somebody out. So uh, we had a couple of really good players. We had Peter Managulo and Les Fong and uh, they were outstanding but just ball players. Little too, they weren't very big. And we feared that Shine, who was getting a reputation for doing this, would probably go after one or both of our players. So we set up John, John Morgan, that is, a fellow that I mentioned before. Uh, he would go across and uh, pick uh, Brad off as he started towards a boundary throw in a ball up. And, uh, well, uh, he was very fast, John. And uh, when Brad locked onto his target, he didn't look anywhere else. And uh, I remember Brad was uh, taken off by two trainers. I'm not proud of that, but at the same time, uh, when I saw it happen with Dermot at the opening bounce when Yates came off the line, the ball went to my right and the action was on my left. <laughs> and uh, I got very, very excited about what I thought I'd seen. So I went back and I'm sort of not watching the game. I'm back there and Dermot's laid out and Yates is there and players are coming in and the ball's going the other way. So the game is on as well. Uh, that was the most disorientated I think I've ever been at an opening bounce. Because you believe that relaying the story to Malcolm Blight, Malcolm has then picked it up and instituted it. Well, it, I mentioned it to him on a plane, uh, you know, some years later, because uh, I coached in the early 80s and we're talking about the 89 grand final. <laughs> but uh, I don't know that Malcolm will uh, be so kind and say, yes, I heard Dennis said. In fact, I don't know that he heard me, you know, like mm. we're sitting side by side. But Malcolm <laughs> goes off for a trip occasionally, you know, just mm. reminiscing. He's a wonderful bloke. He's fantastic and one of the best players I've ever seen, Malcolm Blight. Mm. We've, we've both had the good fortune of, of working with Blighty, and I, I don't believe for a second he'll give you any credit whatsoever. <laughs> uh, your name, yeah. along with Bruce McAvaney's, are always going to be hyphenated, like, you know, Scorsese and De Niro, Brady Belichick, whoever the, the combination of, of names you pick. But your names <laughs> yeah. are going to be hyphenated. Why did you guys have such a great working relationship and chemistry, do you think? Uh it's hard to say. I mean, uh, I didn't know Bruce until he came from Adelaide to uh, Melbourne. I was already working for Seven, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that I was stationed in Melbourne. I was still living in Perth, which was one of the sort of provisos I put on to uh, doing the football was that I didn't want to leave Perth. I love Perth. Now I love Melbourne as well, but uh, I just wanted to stay at home. I was an only child. My mother was uh, sort of getting older, and I, I just didn't want to go away. So... Uh, 
Uh, and Bruce was uh, the same. He was in Adelaide, and uh, I don't think he wanted to leave Adelaide as well. So they were both, uh, or both of us were being flown in. And uh, when you think now that most of the games are being done out of a bunker, that was a lot of money spent that perhaps uh, networks wouldn't spend today. But that was a different time. I, I think as far as the association went, I respected him greatly. I thought he was outstanding. He devoured stats. Now, that's his way of dealing with things. And it was certainly support for what I did because I, I wasn't really into my stats so much. I just uh, liked uh, sort of being a glib voice, if you like, and also sort of a smart aleck at times <laughs> with the odd line. So I, I think uh, we trusted each other completely and there was never a harsh word. We remain good friends, not great friends. We're not buddy buddies, but at the same time, uh, I think there is a mutual respect that uh, came with the job. And after all the years we did it together, there wasn't uh, one harsh word, no, no voice raised. It was uh, just something that I cherish as much as being able to have a great seat of the footy. It was having a seat alongside a bloke that uh, had your back. Dennis Cometti with us here on Summer Grandstand. Dennis, appreciate your time. As I let you go, there's a comment from you in which you, you have said that you take pride in having not committed yourself to too many opinions, but... I want to pin you to a few as I let you go. Yeah, uh, now, yeah, You've left this sting in the tail, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I would groan too. Anyone can ask you about who the best player is that you've seen, but who's been your favourite over the journey, Dan? Uh, my favourite over the journey? Well, mm. uh, that depends. Boy or broadcaster, what do you want? Uh, as a boy, maybe my both. Favorite was, uh, well, as a boy, uh, my favourite was, uh, well, Polly Farrell. It depends who you're barracked for. I think supporters' favourite player is in their own team. Now, I barracked for uh, East Fremantle when I was a boy, and uh, West Perth was nearby. East Fremantle was uh, light years away. So my father, it's interesting how it worked because my father would refuse to take me all that way down to Fremantle. He was a West Perth supporter. But if they came to town, he'd take me to the footy and I'd see them at Laugh Lane Park or Perth Oval. Uh, so East Fremantle, Jack Clark was a wonderful player. Uh, Bob Johnson was my favourite, came from Melbourne. So big Bob's topical. Uh, met a lot of people uh, sort of in Melbourne that later became sort of icons in a broadcasting sense or people you met over there. Didn't see enough of them to have them as my favourites, but Bob came here and coached. In fact, a lot of those Melbourne players came to Perth and coached. Uh, Hassan Mann coached mm. a premiership like Bob. Uh, Don Williams came over and played in the premiership side. with These, these are all stars of the, the great era of Melbourne teams. Don Williams came over and uh, he played in the premiership for West Perth in 1960. I was a boy and I saw all of this. Some great names, uh, some great Victorians. Little known fact that Kevin Murray came here and coached East Perth for two years, went back to Melbourne and won the Brownlow. I mean, the standard of football in Western Australia was quite remarkable at that time. And it was all down to the licensing laws. That's a long-winded answer. <laughs> uh, now, as favourite as a broadcaster, uh, let me see. I love Jack McRae at the moment. I, I'm really sort of big on Jack McRae. I think he's a wonderful player and uh, completely overlooked. He's much more... Uh, important to the Bulldogs than people, I think, uh, recognise. But that's the present time. Uh, so many good players. I think Lee Matthews is my best of all time, although I don't know how he'd go against Petrarca storming out of the middle. <laughs> he might have to resort to the dark arts, Lee, but then again, he was very good at that. Mm. He certainly was. <laughs> mm. uh, Jack McRae, only 12 Brownlow votes, Dennis, so you might need to introduce him to the umpires at some stage. Uh, well, he, he runs the risk of going through without a fairest and best, mm. or best and fairest, as they like to call it in Melbourne. Yes.
I'm not Marcus Bontempelli, who continues to truck along already four times oh, at great 25. Player too, great player, yeah. I, I think that I, I see them as equals. I, I don't see that Jack is inferior. Uh, he gets the ball, he goes into packs and gets the ball, not much to him. Interesting in the grand final, the first man Melbourne ran into was Jack. Mm. Uh, nobody's asked you this yet on the record, I don't no. believe, but uh, the punk rock band named Dennis Cometti, how does yes. that reside with you? Uh, yeah, good. I'm flattered. I, I've met the boys a few times. I went to their last gig, actually. And uh, you laugh. I'm a rock and roller, I told you, from the old days. It's true. Uh, these boys are a little grungy for me, but uh, I still I still love them. Uh, they're, they're doing well. I mean, so as a result, I, I, I think they won an award as the most popular local band last year here in Perth. So uh, long live the Dennis Committees, and I mean that in two mm. respects. Yep, they're not done just yet. You may well be, but they continue to uh, to truck well, along. I see their posters around Perth. They're a little too grungy good, for me too, Dan. Good on you, Ben. Thank you, Dennis. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us uh, on Summer Grandstand. Always, always good to be on the ABC. See you, mate.